0: What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Wednesday, the 25th of August. We're brought to you by eplindex.com. And our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. That's a virtual privacy network which allows you to go online, change your location, access anything you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft a giftware and homework company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And do remember to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops on Etsy. Just download the Etsy app onto your phone. Search EPL Index or Anfield, Anfield Index. Lots of merch there on both. Right, folks, breaking news. Harry Kane has tweeted saying he will be staying at Tottenham this summer and is 100% focused on helping the team achieve success. That puts to an end a summer of speculation, a circus that has surrounded the player, both Tottenham and Manchester City. City were unwilling to pay the asking price that Tottenham had set, which was around $150 Kane had clearly been pushing for this move, giving interviews pre-Euro's, Talking about it post-Euros, going on strike or not coming back from his holidays for a week. Obviously missed the first Premier League game of the season. Was expected to play in their Europa League game. Didn't travel. You'll assume that was agreed with the club. Came off the bench last weekend against Wolves for his first involvement of the season. And out today with the statement that he is staying at Tottenham Hotspur. Now, this affects both clubs substantially, you'd imagine, because I think City were probably planning for the season with Harry Kane. So now the question is, what do they do? We'll get to that, but for Spurs this is obviously huge. He's their captain. He's maybe the best player they've produced through their academy since Glenn Hoddle, maybe? I can't think of anybody since then that's come through the Spurs Academy and been as good. I would say he's the second best player after Youngman's son. But I'll happily take the, the claim that he's the best. They're both world class in my view. He's an amazing goal scorer. An absolutely amazing goal scorer. And his all-round game is right up there with the very best number nines in the world. He's got great link play. His hold-up play is very, very good. He's an unselfish runner. Creates a lot of chances for others. Very intelligent player on the pitch. Understands movement, understands spacing and positioning really, really well. His goal record is, is just ridiculous. 221 goals now for Spurs in 337 games. 166 in 2.43 in the Premier League, it's a remarkable run. And when you consider that, as a young player, Kane wasn't a massively touted prospect. You know, he went on loan to Leighton Orient, he did okay. Millwall did okay. Norwich didn't go particularly well. That was his first Premier League loan in 2012-13. First taste of Premier League action, Really? And then he went on loan to Leicester in the championship in 2012-13. And again, did okay. didn't do great. When he broke into the Spurs team, though, there was no stopping him. That first season, 14-15, 31 goals in 51 games. For your first full season, it was absolutely incredible. He obviously got hit with the one-season wonder tag, so he followed it up with 28-50. Two-season wonder. 35 and 38. Three-season wonder. 41 and 48. He's now a seven-season wonder because he went 24 and 40, 24 and 34, and 33 and and 49 last season. He just scores goals for fun. It's genuinely awe-inspiring to look at what he's been able to accomplish, and not always in particularly great Spurs teams. They obviously had a very strong team for... Quite a bit of his run there. But he was a big part of why they were so strong. Him, Delhi, Christian Eriksen and Youngman son as that kind of attacking four. But as the team began to age around him and players left, he's been a consistent. He and son have been that consistent because Delhi has seen his standard and his level dip substantially over the last three years. Now, he started the season really well. And you'd hope that he'll get back to his best. But the two centre-backs left, the two full-backs left. Lloris is still there, but his level has dropped quite a bit. In fact, when you consider they originally had Walker and Trippier right back, and now both of them are gone. Danny Rose is the left-back, he's gone. Vertonghen, Toby Aldeveral both gone. Wanyama was the holding midfielder, he's gone. Um. Musa Dembele was originally the other centre midfielder and now he's gone. It's been a lot of change at Spurs. Even if you look back at their team that played in the 2019 Champions League final, it's a very different team now than what Spurs put out that day. Trippier's gone, Toby's gone, Vertongan's gone, Rose is gone, Musa Soko's a squad player at this point, so's Harry Winks, Christian eriksen has gone. It is just Delhi. Son and Kane, even the players that were on the bench. Vorm is gone, Gassaniga's gone, Walker-Peters is gone, Voigt is gone, Lamella's gone, Wanyama's gone, loriente is gone, Lucas Moore is still there, Eric Dyer's still there, Ben Davies, and Davinson Sanchez. Oh, and Serge Aurier. Aurier is now first-choice right-back. Davinson might be first-choice centre-back next to Romero when Romero establishes himself in the team. But it's such a change in just a couple of years. Compare that to the Liverpool team that played that day. Allison, Trent, Matip, Van Dijk, Gomez, Fabinho, Salah, Firmino, Mane, all still definite first choices. Henderson probably still first choice for now, depending on on his health. Um even Liverpool's bench, Kelleher's still there, Gomez is still there, Milner's still there, Ox is still there. And Divock Origi, he's kind of still there. Um, Liverpool just have had far less turnover than Spurs in that time. And unfortunately for Spurs, since that game, it's kind of all been downhill. Because Poch would go a few months later. The Mourinho era was a disaster. And now under Nuno, they've made a good start. But it's a long road back to the top four. When you consider they finished seventh last year. And never threatened top four, they've done well enough this summer in what they've done, bringing in brian uh, Brian Hill, who's a hugely talented uh left footed winger and bringing in Christian Romero and Pierluigi Luigi on loans. Romero's an obligation to buy Gallini. They have an option to buy. They've had a good summer so far, and keeping Kane is huge, but they're still in need of a right back. And another centre-back. You look at their team, there's a lot of talent there. Lloris is still a good goalkeeper, he's just not the keeper he was. Galini maybe can become the starter. Maybe he's going to be that, that keeper for them moving forward. At right back, they've got Doherty, they've got Aurier and Jaffa Tanganga, who started the season there for them. And maybe Tanganga can establish himself in that role. And mean that they don't need to go and buy Tamiyasu, who'd been the first choice for that role. He's that similar type of defender. He's a, a right-back who can also play centre-back, probably perfect as the right side of a three, but as a right-back, very strong defensively. is a similar profile, a player, similar age as well. Doherty is a wing-back. He's not really a full-back. He's not particularly good defensively. Arie is probably a player they want to move on. And left-back, they've got Regulon who's excellent. Ryan Sessegnon can play there. And I think that's where his future is. So he's good competition, good depth. They've also still got Ben Davies who can play there. He can also play centre-back. So left-back is a position of strength for them. In the middle, Romero's a nailed-on starter. I think Davinson has the talent to be, but I don't know if he has the mentality to be. Joe Roden's a good player, but he's a squad player at the moment. And obviously Ben Davies. And they still have Eric Dyer, who for me, I'd be looking to move on. They still have Cameron Carter-Vickers, who had a decent loan last year at Bournemouth. We'll probably go back out on loan this season. But defensively, one centre-back sorts that, without question. If if they want to stick with Tanganga, go Tanganga, Romero, centre-back, Regulon. That'll be very, very strong. In midfield, they've got Heusberg, they've got Winks, and they've got Ollie Skip, all of whom kind of perform the same role. You've got Musa Sissoko as that sort of box-to-box player. He's just not very good. He's one you'd look you'd look to move on. And then you've got Giovanni lo Celso, Tanguy Endembele, and Deli Ali as kind of number eights who are more attack-minded. Now, Endembele seems to be on the outs there, which is. You know, both down to him and the club, but the club have just handled him quite poorly since he arrived. He obviously didn't get on very well with Mourinho, and it doesn't look like he's going to get on with with Nuno. But a lot of play- a lot of players have had issues with Nuno and Mourinho in the past. Now, personally, I look at that and think any two of that three, either side of Heusberg, is a strong midfield. You'd maybe like to add one more for a bit of depth, but it is it's a quality midfield. Up front, then you're going to have Kane now as your number nine. That's exactly what you would want. You've got Youngman's son on his left. And then you've got Brian Hill, Lucas Mora, and Stephen Bergvine all competing for that other side. Any of them can be good on their day. Hill has the, definitely the best upside, but he's also the youngest and least proven. Mora's frustrating. When he's on, he's brilliant. When he's on form, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. Same goes for Bergvine. Bergvine's probably the best in terms of off ball. His work rate's fantastic. So I don't necessarily think they need to bring in anybody in those wide areas. I've also still got Jack Clark, who's a very talented young player, signed from Leeds a couple of years ago. Um, I think they've got four players for those two wide roles, so that's ideal. So you're looking to bring in a backup to Kane. That's basically what Spurs need to do in the next week. A backup to Kane and a starting centre-back. Those are the two things you need to do. Do that and you're going to have a really good starting eleven and good depth across the board. And with Kane's ability to score goals, with Sun's ability to score goals, you're going to have an opportunity to battle for top four. As long as that defence stays solid. But that defence won't stay solid if you're starting Eric Dyer or you're starting Roden or you're starting Davinson. You need to find a proper partner to go next. To Romero. That's why Spurs were so good for so long. They had that proper partnership. Toby and Jan. Now they need to find that partner for Romero. Who it will be, I don't know. They've been linked with Jules Cundey. Maybe they go back for him. I know Chelsea are in for him at the moment. But they don't really seem willing to pay the asking price. Uh, They were linked with Pau Torres. He wants Champions League football. I think he wants Real Madrid. He may not get that move. So maybe next summer he's more open to other things. Uh, They've been linked with Americ Laporte. I think he'd be a perfect fit. I think Romero and Laporte would be a great pairing. But would Laporte be interested in Spurs is another question. So they may have to look a little bit lower. It's a shame Lissandro Martinez of Ajax is not a a little bit taller. I just think at 5'11", he might struggle a little bit playing centre-back in the Premier League. Because Romero's not huge either. But there are centre backs out there Spurs could, could target, and we'll have a look at them maybe as the window gets to a close. But great news for Spurs. Keeping Kane is huge. And as I say, they're only really two players away from having a really strong squad that you'd and they've got a couple of players they can sell to fund some of that. I don't know how much R E A and Sissoko would bring in, but it would be a you know, you might get twenty five million for the pair. That would sort your Kane back up. You'd find a good striker for that money. Without doubt, you'd find a good striker for that money. Someone young that can come in and uh, and play behind Kane. Maybe play with Kane if you want to play a two up top, two in midfield, and, and push Son and Bergvine or whoever out into wide areas. Um, but I think things are more promising for Spurs now than they have been in quite a while. I mean, Nuno wasn't their first choice, but they've started really well under him. In the league anyway. And they get to keep Kane now. So that's a big boost for them too. One striker who could still be on the move. Is Killing Mbappe. Real Madrid are believed to have bid. 137 million pounds. For the PSG forward. And had it turned down. PSG paid 165.7 million for him. In 2017. And. Monaco have a 20% sell-on clause, and not 20% of the profit, 20% of whatever they get. So PSG are looking at a loss regardless. They are in a situation where he's got one year left on his deal. He wants to leave. They don't want him to leave. But they don't really want him to leave on a free transfer next summer either. Now, they've obviously just brought in Messi. They've given Neymar the new contract. They're sort of locked into those two. And I would have thought Mbappe might have had an interest in playing with them for at least a year or two, but it seems like he doesn't. He wants to go somewhere else. He seemingly wants to go to Real Madrid. Madrid definitely want him. They're desperate to get him, but they, I think, would prefer to get him next summer. And I wonder if this bid was more a reaction to reports that came out that another club was interested, another club had made contact with Paris Saint-Germain, and had not made an offer, but at least you know made an inquiry. Maybe that was leaked out to get Real to bite, get Real to pay a big fee for him. Because you know if he goes in a Bosman next summer, Real will be all over that. Come January 1st, they will offer him a huge, huge contract to join on a free. I think their plan is Mbappe on a free, and Haaland with his buyout clause and then go Kamavinga and Pogba as well on Bosman's. Because they won't care about the wages. Because if they can get those four players without paying a fee. I think that's also why they haven't moved for Kamavinga this summer. They've been after him for, since he was 15. Zidane has been all over that move. and Zidane's obviously gone now, but he was all over that for a couple of years. And I would imagine that they still have huge interest in him. It's not like he's gotten worse, he's, he's improved. Hugely over the last three years. So. I think rail would rather get Mbappe on a free. I think they probably will end up if PSG are turning down 137 million. I just don't see that it's in rails interest to make another bid. Unless another bid comes in and, you know, someone else has a bid accepted. There's no real reason for rail to then turn around and do anything else. If, if, as an example, Manchester City made a bid tomorrow for £150 million and PSG accepted it, well, Real could just match it and then it'll be on the player. Where does the player want to go? Now, I think there's a reason Mbappe's name has never come up linked with City. I don't think PSG would do business with City because the rivalry between the ownerships and the the countries they represent. But you know, let's let's say it's Manchester United then, for a more realistic option. If they offered 150 million and Real matched it, and Mbappe had to choose between the two, he'd go to Real. But that's the only situation in which Real would have to pay for him. Otherwise I think they just hold off and get him next summer on a free. He plays out the year PSG will hope he wins the Champions League with them. And then the you know the signings of Messi, the re-signing of Neymar, all of that becomes worthwhile. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo's name is obviously doing the link now as well. So he's been ma- mentioned as a potential replacement at PSG. He's also been linked to Man City in the last few days. They're obviously now going to be in the market for somebody else, given that Kane has slipped through their fingers. And I'll be interested to see where City go with this. Do they hold off a year and go for Kane again next summer, knowing they'll get him cheaper, 29 less time in his contract? And maybe maybe that's what Spurs have done here, is they've said to Kane, look, you're staying this summer, but next summer you're going for this price, 100 million. Maybe it's 100 million. Um, and maybe Kane's holding off for that. Now, the issue with Kane is that That move might not be available next summer. I think Man United would want him next summer. I don't know if Man City will. At that age, that fee, especially if they go somewhere this summer and get somebody else. Seems like it's going to be an interesting end to the transfer window, though, because City now need a striker. We know Liverpool need to do things. Chelsea want a centre-back, maybe a midfielder as well. Um... United would like a midfielder. They'd like a full-back. Spurs need that centre-back and a backup striker. There's there's quite a few moving parts for the big clubs. Um, Arsenal are still looking to get a couple more deals done. I think Leicester want that right winger. So, you know, West Ham have players they want to bring in. You look up and down the league, There's I think there's going to be some movement in the next week. Uh, one player who won't be on the move is Andy Robertson. New five-year deal for Liverpool. Um announced yesterday. He had three years and a club option for a fourth year left on his deal, but they have they've basically thrown that out and given him a new contract to tie him down to the club for the foreseeable. It's a good move for Liverpool. Keep him for another five years. He'll be 32 when that one ends. They're getting him through his prime, so I think all things considered, he'll be thrilled, they'll be thrilled, and it's one less thing for Jurgen Klopp to worry about as the new season gets underway properly. Uh, EFL Cup last night, plenty of games in the northern and southern section. Uh, up north, Premier League-wise, we had Everton beating Huddersfield 2-1, Alex Iwobi and Andros Townsend with the goals. Wolves beat Nottingham Forest 4-0. Uh, remain sized Daniel Pudence, uh, Francisco Trinquiao, And Morgan Gibbs-White with the goal. First win of the season for Wolves. Confidence booster. Glad to see all the shots finally result in a few goals. Because they'd taken like 43 shots or something in the first two games. And hadn't scored. And had an abysmal amount. Only nine on target. So good to see the hard work paying off. Uh, Leeds three. uh, Crew Alexander, nil. Alexandra, I should say, nil. Really tight game up until 79. Calvin Phillips gets the goal. And then Jack Harrison gets two to send Leeds through. Villa six, Barrow nil. Cameron Archer, young player just out of the Villa Academy with a hat-trick. Anwar El Ghazi with two, one a penalty that he took as a Panenka. And um, Federic Gilbert, who's had some bad injury luck at Villa. The French right back. He gets the he got the fifth, but he got the sixth goal. Um, so yeah, all things considered, very promising for Villa last night, especially getting the hat trick from Cameron Archer, um, who's they, they've got big big hopes for. Uh, Newcastle will play Burnley tonight in the northern section. In the southern section, Brentford beat Forest Green Rovers three one. They had been one nil down, but Wissa with his first goal for the club. Uh, Bomo and Fours getting the goals to send them through. Norwich hammered Bournemouth 6-0. Solas the young Greek winger, they brought in two goals two assists. Uh, Kenny McLean with a goal. Lucas Rupp with a goal. And Josh Sargent with his first two goals for the club as well. So very promising for the two young players they brought in. Spent good money on both of them in the summer as well. Over 10 million on both Sargent and Solas. Two good players, two bright futures. Um, speaking of bright futures Brighton Hove Albion 2-0 winners over Cardiff Jakob Motor and Andy Zakiri two very young very talented players brought in over the last 12 months both of them get goals as they go through 2-0 and then we had last Premier League featuring game was Watford won Crystal Palace nil. Ashley Fletcher with the goal laid on 86 minutes Arsenal play West Brom tonight And Southampton play Newport County tonight. And that is all the Premier League teams who will be involved in this round of the League Cup. The teams in Europe, Chelsea, Leicester, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham and West Ham all enter in the next round. Uh, They're given the second round off to make up for the fact that they've got European commitments. Another player on the move, Davide Zabacosta, has left Chelsea to join Atalanta. Bit of a strange move. They've already got two vastly superior right backs. But maybe he's seen us, you know, a little bit of centre back cover. I don't know. It's an odd one. Yoki uh, Mal is, has started the season as first choice, and Hans Hattebor is still there. He's. He's a very good player. He's been first choice for them for a long time. So it's a bit of an odd move to add Zabacosta. But best of luck to him. He didn't have a great time at Chelsea. Obviously arrived under Antonio Conte. And sort of fell out of favour. Uh, Had a couple of loans. One to Roma, one to Genoa. The Genoa Genoa loan actually went quite well. I I thought he might stay there last year. But... um, Rumoured to be a fee of around 10 million euro plus add-ons. I don't, don't think the add-ons will ever get hit personally. But he is a decent player. They just they have better in that position already. So it is a bit of an odd one. Um something fun that I saw was uh on the Athletic, where they did like a mock expansion draft. So the idea of it is that you'd be adding a twenty-first team to the Premier League, and the team would be made up entirely of players from other Premier League clubs. So the rules that they have was that it was Tom Warville, I think, picked the team. It was Tom Warville. Um, He had to pick two goalkeepers, seven defenders, and 11 midfielders or forwards, picking only one player per existing club. Each of the 20 Premier League clubs has to protect one goalkeeper, four defenders, and seven midfielders or forwards. Players on loan are considered as belonging to the club who have borrowed them, not the club who have loaned them out. Any protected player can't be drafted. They must also expose one defender and two midfielders or forwards who are regulars for the team. Regulars was defined as a player who played the equivalent of 22 starts worth of minutes for Premier League or 22 for a team, promoted from the Championship, and then injured players, obviously, um could be left exposed. You didn't have to put them among your protected players. So they got writers from each club to go through the squad, protect the players they wanted to, and leave others exposed. So just to run through some of the the odd ones that I I thought were odd. So Art De Roche, who is, um, I think he's Arsenal blog, I think that's his Twitter handle. He's very, very good. Uh, he protected Callum Chambers, which I thought was an odd decision. He left Pablo Mari, who's a superior defender, available to be picked off and protected Callum Chambers. That was the kind of strange one, but Arsenal do have a kind of a weak defensive group, so I can kind of see it. Um, I probably would have kept Rob holding over Callum Chambers personally. Um, Aston Villa, Greg Evans left Douglas Louise exposed. Douglas Louise is their best midfield player. He protected Trezeguet and Anwar El Ghazi and left Douglas Louise available. He also protected Ashley Young and left Maddy Cash protected. So, or Maddie Cash unprotected, I should say. Um, really, really strange decisions there. Really strange decisions there. Also left Jacob Ramsey unprotected, who's going to be a huge part of the future. Uh, Looking through Norwich, or not Norwich, Brentford, sorry. uh, Josh De Silva left exposed. That was a bit of a surprise, but he is out injured. Mads Bidstrup is one I would have thought would have been protected. But, Yeah, it's not a it's not a bad it's not a bad group. Uh, Brighton is the weirdest one, so this makes no sense to me. He's protected Joel Veltman and left Michael Karbonick, who's a very, very talented young left back, unprotected. Then he's protected Solly March, Adam Lalana, Danny Welbeck, and Aaron Connolly and left Jakob Motor, Moses Casado Alexis McAllister and Andy Zakiri, all unprotected. He also left Neil Mopay unprotected while protecting, again, Danny Welbeck and Aaron Connolly. This is an absolute shocker. An absolute shocker by Andy Naylor. Uh, Andy Jones of Burnley. No real surprises here, to be totally honest. Uh, Ashley Barnes, probably the most notable player. Ashley Barnes and, and Jay Rodriguez, they're the two notable ones left, unprotected. I may have protected Barnes over Vidra, but it is what it is. Burnley don't have a huge squad. Uh, notable exposed players by Chelsea, Kovacic, Pulisic, uh, Cesar Azpilicueta, club captain. But aside from that, you know, I think Pulisic is the only one that I probably would have kept, but you look at who he did keep, it's very hard to pick one and say you should have left him exposed. Maybe Callum Hudson-Odoi, keep Pulisic. Uh, For Crystal Palace, it's all as you would expect. There's nobody left exposed that I wouldn't have expected. Maybe you could argue Jean-Philippe Mateta you would keep rather than Christian Benteke that he kept, but aside from that, I think he's about spot on. Uh, Greg O'Keefe for Everton. He kept Pickford, Godfrey, Keane, Dina, Coleman, Ducure, Alan, James, Damari Gray, Andros Townsend, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and Richarlison. He left Yeri Mina, Andre Gomes and Alex Iwobi um, unprotected. He also left Moisa Keane unprotected. I don't know why he protected James Rodriguez. I really don't. Uh, it's quite clear he's got no future at the club. And also to protect Seamus Coleman at 34 or whatever age he is, um, that's a bizarre decision. And leave Mason Holgate. He's probably the best defender at the club. But that's a strange one. Um, Jack Harrison is the most notable one at Leeds. Jack Harrison and Robin Koch. Now, personally, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have left um, Jack Harrison. like He's definitely better than Tyler Roberts. There's no question he's better than Tyler Roberts. He did also leave Liam Cooper, but I, I would as well. Uh, but I also would have left Lou Galing exposed and, and taken Robin Cock. I would have kept Harrison and Cock protected. Um, Leicester City, Wesley Fafana, bizarrely, while Ryan Bertrand is protected, who's not even going to be first choice left back. James Justin, Timothy Castanier, Bubakari Samari, uh, Rob Tanner has had himself a bit of a, a bit of a moment here with some bizarre picks. I have gone for Leicester's big guns. Like, I'm not being funny. You've made a mess of this, son. Uh, Cuivo O'Neill picked on behalf of Liverpool. She kept Alisson, Konate, Virgil, Robertson, and Trent, Fabinho, Curtis Jones, Thiago, Jota, Sadio Mane, Harvey Elliott and Mohamed Salah. Uh, exposed regulars Jordan Henderson Roberto Firmino and Nat Phillips but I mean that's a that's a cheeky one. And then other notable unprotected players Joe Gomez, Joel Matip uh, Navi Keita Personally I wouldn't have protected Curtis Jones I would have protected Navi Keita but I, I agree with the rest of what she did. She had to leave Matip and Gomez exposed to keep um, Canate. So that's absolutely fair. And it makes sense to leave Henderson exposed. 31 injury prone, clearly in regression. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Man City, Ferran Torres, Gabriel Jesus, Emeric Laporte, Rodri, all left exposed. But with their squad, it is going to be really, really hard uh Manchester United notable exposed players Victor Lindelof, Anthony Martial, David De Gea, Eric Bailly, Alex Tellez, Danny Von de Beek, Ahmed Diallo. I'm surprised they could find players they wanted to keep at Newcastle personally. Jamal Lewis should have been should have been protected um over Matt Ritchie without question. For Norwich, then the interesting one here. Oh no, he is protected. Sorry, I th- I thought they'd left Josh Sargent unprotected, but they didn't. Uh, Norwich is about right. Norwich is he's he's done about right, but it, it's small squad lacking quality. Uh, for Southampton, Ariel Romeo unprotected is a bit of a strange one, considering he is a he's a starter. He's also cheated and he's protected five defenders by counting Livermento as a as a mid, as a midfielder, which he's not. Um Diallo should have been protected. But yeah, other other than Diallo and Romeo. Like I wouldn't be protecting Theo Walcott, for example. It's not very good. Uh Spurs, Aurier, Sissoko and Mora are the exposed regulars. Davinson, Tanganga, it's hard to really argue with any of the ones he did protect, other than Eric Dyer, who's dreadful. i, I protect Davinson or Tanganga over, hi- over him, but all the rest are fine. I'm not going to argue with the Watford ones because their squad's a bit of a hodgepodge. For West Ham, Pablo Fernal should have been protected over Conor Coventry. And side Ben should have been protected over Mark Noble. But there's absolutely no logic in protecting Mark Noble. That is a just ridiculous decision to keep Connor Coventry and Mark Noble over Fornals and Ben Rama. He says, Connor Coventry looks set to feature in Moise's plans this season and is deserving of his place among the protected. Looks set to feature in what role? He's not going to be a starter because Ben Rama and Fornals are. Most important, this team needs leadership. And I've hung on to Mr. West Ham himself in Mark Noble. Absolute dreck. Nonsense. Uh, Wolves, he's, he's kept Jose. side. He didn't really have much choice, but I'd have left him exposed. Um, I probably would have left Connor Cody exposed as well because I would have preferred to keep Leander Dendonker, who's a vastly superior player. Uh, not sure I would have kept him. Keep kept Morgan Gibbs-White, I should say. Um, Again, just a young player who hasn't really shown anything as of of yet. I definitely would have kept Max Kellman over Cody. And that's basically it. So, the team that um, the team that Mr. Warville selected, he went with Alphonse Areola as the goalkeeper. He was left unprotected by that Strange fella who did the West Ham one. And I didn't even notice he was there. Imagine leaving the best goalkeeper at your club unprotected. Jesus. Anyway, uh, he went with him. He picked Serge Aurier from Spurs. Um, bit of a strange one. Tanganga would have been a much better pickup. Um, he kept James, got James Justin from Leicester. Absolutely no-brainer. He got Jamal Lewis from Newcastle again, no brainer. So, you know, you've got Justin and Lewis as your fullbacks, uh, Luton boys. He picked Emerick Laporte and Yeri Mina as the starting centre backs. Um, I think he could have done a bit better than Mina, but he is decent. Uh, Mad Sorensen and Jack Stevens as the backup centre backs. He's also got Jack Butland as his backup goalkeepers. Backup goalkeeper. He went with Leander Dendonker and Imran Luza from Watford as his holding midfielders. And then Jordan Henderson and Billy Gilmore as his kind of more playmaking midfielders, I suppose. Then he went with Alexis McAllister, Christian Pulisic and Anthony Martial as his attacking midfielders and wingers. With Jack Harrison and Bertrand Traore as his... um, backups there, and then he went Lacazette and Barnes up front. Now, personally, I, I would have taken Douglas Louise over Bertrand Traore uh, largely because he's a much better player and he's also a better holding midfielder than Leander Dendonker. Now, I don't mind Dendonker at all and I quite happily have him, but Douglas Louise should be in that group, no question. Um, You can find a different winger from a different club to play as a backup. All things considered, it's not a bad team. It really isn't a bad team. And it's a fun exercise. It's just interesting to see how journalists view some players. Like, for me, I'm surprised that Kweeva O'Neill left Jordan Henderson. off. No, I would personally, but I didn't think she'd be allowed because, you know, the club likes to send their emails. Um, Very surprised to see Tim Spears leave Den Dendonker off the, the Wolves list. The West Ham list is a nonsense. The watch for list, I couldn't tell you. Again, Spurs, I mean, Eric Dyer. Like, dear, oh dear, how many years do we have to watch this guy not be very good? Um, Davinson and Tanganga are much, much better than him. The Saints one is bizarre. The Norwich one seems fine. Again, Newcastle, the only one I'd really argue with. Jamal Lewis, you keep him, you let Matt Ritchie go. But they don't have, you know, great selection. United, there's a lot of players there that you would have to leave unprotected. It is just a fun thing. Obviously, in, in we see it in major league sports. Um, we've seen it with ice hockey of, you know, of late uh, the Seattle Kraken, the new NHL team. They've did they they did an expansion draft there not so long ago. Uh, prior to that, I think it was the LA Golden Knights was the last team to undergo one. There hasn't been an NBA expansion in a good while, um, or a baseball expansion. There's no real reason to expand baseball at the moment. The numbers are so poor. Uh, I do expect we'll see a M- new NBA team in the next five years, probably in Seattle as well, to replace the Supersonics, probably taking the name the Supersonics. Um, So we'll probably see one then. But, yeah, the the NHL have been the team to do expansion drafts of late and uh, it's just it's a very interesting process you see realistically you'd never have it in football because we've got transfer fees involved whereas there isn't in the NHL but realistically United would 100% leave De Gea unprotected to get off his contract they'd probably leave Pogba Unprotected as well. If they if they couldn't find a way to move him on or extend him, they'd probably just leave him unprotected. Um, but every club would do well, whatever bad contract they have. Like you look at the Arsenal one there, um and he he protects obamiang But in an expansion draft, if we didn't have transfer fees, you would definitely leave obamiang exposed, and you would hope that the new club would take him. Hoping to revitalize them and get the best of them. Um the expansion drafts, I don't I don't really follow ice hockey at all. I enjoy watching it, but I I couldn't tell you any of the rules or what's actually going on other than it's a bunch of big fellows with beards and no teeth knocking lumps out of each other. And it reminds me of a bit of like a poor version of hurling. Um But it's fascinating. I I love things like drafts and recruitment and um, free agency and stuff in, in American sports. I love the way teams go about it and I'm fascinated to read as much as I can about it. And the expansion draft thing is just something that's so rare and unique. It, it happens so infrequently that it's just very fascinating to see any time there's any kind of inside piece on the logic behind why a player was exposed, etc. Um, it's interesting to me. It may not be to you and I may have just bored you all to tears for the last Ten or fifteen minutes. If so, I I do apologise. Uh, last bit of news before we go: the Premier League and La Liga have blocked international players from travelling to red list countries, and are refusing to release them. So, um, Liverpool were concerned about losing four players: Allison, Roberto Firmino, and Firmino, uh, and Roberto Firmino, Fabinho, and Mo Salah. Tottenham, Everton. Brighton, Villa, Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Leicester and Brentford were also in danger of being without three each. Newcastle were set to lose Miguel Almiron, uh, United, Edison, Edinson Cavani. So it is interesting to see the Premier League clubs come together and be strong about this and refuse to release their players uh, reluctant but unanimous was how the Premier League described the decision. So, yeah, it's um, it's good to see the player, the, the clubs taking ownership of their players and saying, no, we're not going to let you take our players away at this stupid time anyway and cause them to miss extra games when they come back because they have to quarantine because you're playing in some country where really you shouldn't be playing at the moment. I don't think international football should be going on anyway. But um, it certainly shouldn't be going on at this point of the season. Like We're three games in. We're two games in. We will be three games in. Why is there a break? Let the season get a bit bit of momentum up. Um, But international football at this point is is stupid anyway. Um, We'll wrap up with the gossip and get done for the day. Paris Saint-Germain may target Everton and Brazil Ford Richarlison as the player to replace French striker Kylian Mbappe. Replacing Mbappe with Richarlison. This can't be a real thing. It just can't be a real thing. Now, it's from Eurosport. So, I don't really know what to make of that. Replacing Mbappe with Richarlison. How many goals does Richarlison score a year? It's not many. Uh, now, what I will say about Richarlison is, I think he is a bit miscast at, at Everton. I think he needs to play up front. Uh, so he's been at Everton now four years. To be fair, fourteen, fifteen, and thirteen is not—it's not dreadful. Back to back thirteens in the league, and then seven last season was disappointing. But he, you know, he went off the boil when he when he tried to break Thiago's leg. Um, I do like Richarlison, and I do think he's a, a very good player. I think he needs to play through the middle. I actually think he'd be a good fit at Liverpool as a Firmino replacement, but it is what it is. Um, And I love how much needle he has, except when he's thrown on some of the tackles. But but to replace Mbappe with Richarlison would be very strange. Uh, Juventus and Portugal forward Cristiano Ronaldo will push for a move to Manchester City during the final week of the transfer window with the former Manchester United uh, striker not keen on seeing out the final year of his contract with the Italians. Juve want him gone anyway. Uh, Ronaldo has discussed the move with City's Portuguese contingent, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Diaz and Joe Canseo. uh Attacking midfielder Silva or Amerik Laporte may be included as part of a swap deal. Um, I think if I was Juve, I'd happily do Bernardo Silva for Cristiano at this point. I think I'd very happily do that. They don't really need... La- I suppose they did let Demarel go, so they could bring in Laporte and go De Ligt and Laporte as the starters, then you've got Benucci and you've, you've got Cialini to bring in as and when you need them. Um, but I think, I'd, I think I'd take Bernardo. Uh, Manchester United are in pole position to sign Erling Haaland next summer. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> Absolutely. In no way is that true. Uh, Chelsea could face competition from Manchester United if they step up their efforts to sign Saúl Niguez on loan. Uh, that's some of spoof with the catchphrase. It's the only person reporting any of this nonsense. Atletico Madrid have lined up 29-year-old Spain midfielder Pablo Sarabia. If Saúl leaves. Pablo Sarabia is not a midfield player. He's an attacker. So in no way would he be a replacement for Saúl, who's currently playing left-back for Atletico Madrid. Arsenal have held discussions with Atletico over the signing of Kieran Trippier, uh, but he's believed to prefer a move to Manchester United. Understandable that he would prefer a move to United. Um, Tottenham have held informal talks with Leon over Hassim. Hour. I see that as unlikely. He's a very good player though, and I do think he he'd be a good player for Tottenham. Um, Willian, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Eddie Nketiah, Hector Bellerin, Lucas Torreira. Reese Nelson and Saeed Kolasinic could all leave Arsenal in the next week. Uh, it looks like Torreira's gone to Fiorentina this morning. Um, personally, I, I'd be keeping Maitland-Niles and I'd keep Nketiah. Uh Rhys Nelson would probably loan, but yeah, it is what it is. West Ham are planning a £12.5 million pound bid for Guy 10 Laborde but from Montpellier. He's a decent player, but he's a, you know he'd be back up to Antonio, which is what they need. Um, The Hammers are hopeful of signing Kurt Zouma from Chelsea after making progress in their attempts to bring in the 26-year-old. I think the wages seem to be the sticking point there, but we'll wait and see. West Ham are weighing up a move for Nikola Vlasic as an alternative to Jesse Lingard. Um, He's much better than Lingard anyway, so he'd be a better signing. But again, I, I think they could choose their money a bit better. Buy a central midfielder. You've only got two. You definitely need another one. You've got five who can play in the line behind the striker. Danny Van de Beek, the agents of Danny Van de Beek have snubbed interest in the 24-year-old who's determined to earn a regular starting place at Manchester United. Uh, he needs new agents if that's the case. Liverpool and, Nico William, Liverpool and Wales right back Nico Williams may end up staying at Anfield with interest in the 20-year-old having faded in recent weeks. I, I think a loan is the best move there. Edu is under growing pressure at Arsenal. With Michael, sorry, Mark Overmars uh, considered as a replacement. Overmars has done a pretty good job at Ajax. I don't know that he'd leave to go to Arsenal though. Inter Milan are closing in a 30 million euro deal for Whacking Correa of Ar- of Lazio. He'd been linked with Arsenal and Spurs. He's a good player. Um, I think that 30 million was turned down though, but I could be wrong. Um, Burnley have had a 15 million pound bid for Max Cornet accepted by Leon and it's now up to the 24-year-old if he wants to join the Turf Moor side. Federico Valverde has agreed a new deal with Real Madrid that runs till 2027 and includes a 1 billion euro buyout. It's just nonsense. utter nonsense. And it's the same thing with the Benzema deal. They gave put a 1 Who's going to pay who's going to pay ending for Benzema at this point? Um Sergio Roberto and Sergio Busquets who are both Spain internationals have agreed to pay cuts with Barcelona Uh, Sergio Roberto had been one of the holdouts it makes sense that it's eventually happened Busquets this is is his third pay cut that he is taking he is probably playing for free at this point Uh, we'll leave it there for today thank you as always for listening Um, we'll be back tomorrow we'll have uh, questions day tomorrow and you know I'm going to actually go through that draft and I'm going to pick what well, I would pick as a, as a team from the players that were left exposed and that will be a more worthwhile end to that exercise. Uh see you tomorrow bye bye. Podcast Network.